Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Don't pencil with the deal, as one of our coaches likes to say, to make the numbers up, to make them work. Really take a logical unemotional approach and dive into due diligence. And if you can have a good due diligence process, it's going to save you a lot of time and it's going to save you a lot of mistakes. And ultimately it's going to save you a ton of money. First, a quick word from our best ever partner, PropStream. PropStream is an all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to reach more leads, book more meetings, and close more deals with less work. With PropStream, you can find vacant and off-market properties in seconds, nationwide or specific to any zip code you can skip trace owner information find cash buyers specific to an area and find other investors to potentially partner with or fund your deals PropStream provides you the comprehensive data and market insight you need to be at the top of your real estate game PropStream also features state-of-the-art marketing tools that allow you to send out direct mail postcards and ringless voicemail even if you're not in real estate, PropStream can help you locate high net worth individuals to invest in your non-real estate business. Or if you are in real estate, then you can find them to invest in your real estate business. You can use this tool to find people who have millions of dollars in equity in their homes, and you can reach out to them via email, telephone, or snail mail. This is the perfect real estate investing tool for wholesalers and real estate agents, real estate investors, and entrepreneurs. I love how easy the PropStream website is to use. With a few clicks, you can review comps in the area or estimate rehab costs prior to purchasing a property. Act now to take advantage of the plethora of properties that have and will continue to hit the market during this time. And best ever listeners, do you know we got something special for you? You're going to receive a free seven-day all-access trial to experience all the features this powerful tool has, and you'll experience it firsthand. Just go to your7dayfreetrial.com. That's Y-O-U-R, the number seven, dayfreetrial.com. Get started with this. Get your seven-day free trial and start growing your business even more so than you have been. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best of your listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. My name is Theo Hicks. And today we'll be speaking with Gino Barbaro. Gino, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Theo. Thanks for having me on. 
Yep, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. So Gino is the co-founder of Jake and Gino, a multifamily real estate education company. He's the best-selling author of three books, Wheelbarrow Profits, The Honeybee and Family, and Food and the Friars. His portfolio consists of 1,500 multifamily units. He's based in St. Augustine, Florida, and you can say hi to him at jakeandgino.com. So Gino, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your background and then what you're focused on today? Sure, Theo. I came up in the restaurant world. bought a restaurant eons ago, it feels like, over 20 years ago with the family up in New York. I loved it for the first 10, 15 years. It was great. Great recession comes along and everything changes. And I just said to myself, I need to be doing something different. I was already getting into real estate, buying little warplexes. I got into mixed use buildings. I got into self-storage and I had failed at all those because I didn't take the proper education. I was taking massive action and 2009 comes along and I meet Jake, thankfully, and he is a pharmaceutical rep at our restaurant getting drug orders to sell to the doctor's offices and he's doing these pitches. He's trying to sell them to pharmaceuticals. And for me, I loved him because he worked really hard. He was motivated. He was a great sales guy. And I just knew that we'd click. I knew that one thing, he didn't know anything about real estate. So I just kept the relationship going. And in 2011, he moved down to Knoxville, Tennessee. I had no idea where Knoxville was. All I knew is I whipped out the laptop, started looking at deals down there. I'm like, wow, these deals make sense as opposed to New York. So we created that relationship. And 18 months after he moved, it took us 18 months deal. We got our first deal, a little 25 unit complex. And from there, three months after that, we got our second deal and then just kept snowballing. So for Jake and I, we were pretty fortunate. We had timed the market, just got lucky. We started buying where we could actually refinance the proceeds out and put it into the next deal. So the first thousand units, we were able to buy ourselves, just me, Jake, and a partner, Mike. And then after a thousand units, we're like, you know what? Everyone's out there syndicating deals, raising money. Let's learn it. So for me, it's the mantra, education times action equals results. I wanted to get educated and I started learning the syndication model. And then ultimately, you learn, you do, and you teach. We did our first syndication around 18 months ago and the next 500 units was from syndication. So that's what we're focusing on now. We're focusing on raising capital. We'll still do deals internally depending on the deal size, the deal structure, where it is. And we're looking to start a fund. That's our main goal for Q3 and Q4 this year. Perfect. Thanks for sharing that. I definitely want to talk about the more recent syndication side, but you mentioned education multiple times during your background. Obviously, you've written books. You're a co-founder of a real estate education company. And then you also mentioned that it took you 18 months to do your first deal. And that when you met Jake, he didn't know anything about real estate. So Mm -hmm. do you mind just telling us what was going on during those 18 months? Why did it take so long? Why did you decide to focus on education as opposed to just other philosophies, just do it and figure it out? Great question, Theo. And the last 18 months, Jake and I have spent over $300,000 on our education, on consulting. You can get to a certain point in life and that's where you stop and then you're going to continue to need to grow. So when you're buying your first deal, it's different than when you're buying your fifth deal. Things change, sizes change, asset classes change, the amount of capital you need to raise changes. So you're in constant growth mode. And if you're not growing, you're dying. And the only way you grow is by constantly educating yourself. I challenge everyone out there to read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. What I love about it is you need to have a growth mindset. You need to be constantly growing. If you have a fixed mindset where you're like, you know, I know everything. I can do it myself. Well, you know what? Chances are 
If you're not going to do it yourself, you're not going to progress. You can, but it's going to take a lot slower. You're going to make a lot more mistakes and it's going to be a lot more painful. And that's why it took Jake and I 18 months to get our first deal. We didn't have a community like Jake and Gina. We didn't have that proper education. I really started flourishing in real estate, believe it or not, Theo, when I went to life coaching school and I became a certified life coach and I love coaching because one of the things it taught me was to ask the right questions. I wasn't asking the right questions and I didn't have clarity in my life. Why was I doing multifamily. Everyone's out there is going to say, yeah, I just want to make some passive income. That's not the real reason for me. Ultimately, for me, ultimately, I did multifamily for a couple of reasons. I was able to leave New York, move down to Florida. I could do it anywhere I wanted to. I was able to create multiple businesses from multifamily and I was able to scale. So once I really started working on myself, on my personal development and on my mindset, I was able to transcend and remove a lot of those limiting beliefs that I had. It takes money to make money. Money is scarce. All those limiting beliefs that I had, if you can believe you can do something, then you know what? You're going to become better at skill itself. You're going to learn it better and you're going to take more action. So for me, that first deal took 18 months because we had no credibility right? No one really believed in us. I don't even think we believed in ourselves. We didn't have the proper training. We didn't have the proper ability to network with the brokers. We thought that the brokers were there to serve us. No, the brokers have the deals. We have to treat the brokers really well. We're the ones who are selling ourselves to the brokers. That whole mind shift took a little while for us. And when we finally realized that, that's when the deal started coming to us. Okay. It's a book mindset. My wife actually had to read that for work. Oh, uh, like, like maybe like, I don't know, like three or four months ago. And what'd um, she think about it? She said a lot of things you're talking about. All she was talking about was the, the, the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset for like literally every single thing that she saw. It was pretty and, funny. And Theo, you know what's amazing about it? For me, I'm a parent. I have six kids. And we homeschool our kids right now, not because we have to. We've been homeschooling for over 20 years, right? And for me, the way we teach our kids, and this is a way for everyone out there, if we tell our kids that, yeah, you're really smart, that's one thing. When they get challenged in life and they can't figure it out, they're going to fall back on the fixed mindset by saying, you know what? I'm smart. I can't figure it out. I'm just going to quit. But when you teach your kids, hey, Theo, you really got to work hard. If you want something, it takes a lot of dedication and a lot of hard work. And if you came in third place, it's okay. My kids call second place the first loser. And it's okay because you didn't win, right? You came in second place. There's nothing wrong with that. If you want to get into first place, you just need to work harder. And the growth mindset is all about working harder, working harder. And if we can teach our kids that, so when they come up against a challenge and they have the clarity and they have the hard work mind ethic and not quitting up, patience and persistence and keep on going. I think that's one of the best things that we can teach kids with education. And that's what really was stressed in that book mindset. And for me, it's sort of been a game changer as far as relating with my kids and helping the students in the community by saying, there's a lot of hard mm-hmm. work involved. We're all smart. There's a lot of really smart people out there. Multifamily real estate is not rocket science, but you do need to work really hard and you need to create and learn certain skills. So one of those skills you mentioned, and you mentioned that you didn't know this going in, and that you eventually learned it was how to properly build a relationship with brokers. And that originally thought that they were there to serve you, but then you mm-hmm. realize it's kind of the opposite. And obviously brokers are great sources for deals and the better relationship you have with them, the more likely it is that they're going to send you an off-market deal or send you a deal before other people see it. So mm-hmm. from your experience, what are some of the top two or three things that people need to do right away? in order to build that type of relationship with the broker on top of obviously realizing that they're not there to serve you? That's a great question. Let me preface that by saying, we talk about the three pillars of real estate. We talk about market cycle, we talk about debt, 
And then we talk about the exit strategy. The first thing you need to realize is the market cycle. When I got into it back in 2013, 2014, early 2000s, the market cycle was definitely a buyer's market cycle. So brokers were a lot hungrier back then than they were in the last couple of years. So you have to figure out what part of the market cycle is, right? Now, all of a sudden, the light switch has been just slammed back down and, hey, it's a buyer's market again. So we have to figure that out. But with brokers, you don't want to become their friends. They don't want to take you out for a cup of coffee. They want you to be able to close the deal. They want you to know what cap rates are. They want you to be educated on it. They don't want you to waste their time. That's the first thing. And I think the second thing is if you're going to be serious and you're going to be talking to a broker, opt into their list. Start opting into their lists and start receiving their offering memorandums. And I like to say is you do diligence on the market and start going and doing some property tours with them. That's what they want. They want to see that you're serious about the property. They want to see that you're serious about taking the deal down. Don't waste their time. Now, for us in the beginning, Jake was a sales guy. He was always thinking about that. You have to sell the broker and you really do. You have to sell the broker on what your credibility is, on what you can do. So we've created something called a credibility book, which is basically a business plan laid out with our strategy, laid out with why we invest in a certain market, laid out with how we get our money back to our investors, laid out with our case studies. So when a broker sees it, he sees that we're serious. You have the website, you have the credibility book and you're able to speak to them, I think, intelligently and you show to them that you're not going to waste their time and always be on top of mind to them. I would always say to them, get their phone number, start texting them every three or four weeks, just checking in, seeing how things are going, not always pestering about the deal, but try to build a relationship with them because real estate, when it comes down to it, I think every business, but especially real estate, it's really about your network and it's really about networking with people in the business. And the bigger your network grows, the more brokers you know, the more possibility of a deal landing on your desk. Is that credibility book like a PDF or PowerPoint presentation? Yeah, what we do is you can go to jakeandgino.com forward slash honeybee. And on that page, you'll see a copy of our credibility book. It's basically a PDF document. If you want to print it out, ours is about 20 pages long. When you first start out, it should be seven, eight, 10 pages. You want to really focus on what market you're in. So we're in Knoxville. You want to talk about why Knoxville, maybe talk about the job growth, the population growth, the number of employers really put some nice pictures in there. Not too word heavy because people are more visual. Then you want to talk about what your strategies are. So we've done owner financing. We've done refi and rolls. We've also raised capital. So talk what your strategy is. Then if you've done a couple of deals, put your deals in the portfolio. Also, whether it's, are you a full-time investor? Are you a W-2? Give your bio in the book. And then also talk about the case studies. So on all our various deals, we've done different deals, whether we've owner financed them, we've raised NOI, talk about that. And then finally, ultimately, just give them your blueprint, your roadmap of what you're going to do with their money, how you're getting their money back. Perfect. Okay. Let's transition into syndication now. So Obviously, your situation is a little bit different because a lot of people want to start raising money right away. Mm -hmm. You already had your 1,000 units and then moved on to syndicating afterwards. So let me ask you like this. If you could go back, would you still have waited until you had done this many deals before starting syndication? Or do you think you'd have been capable of doing it at 500 units or 200 units, 100 units? Or do you think you really needed to wait until you did? That's a great question. I don't know the answer. I probably would have started syndicating sooner, but limiting beliefs of, wow, I'm taking investor money. I'm a fiduciary. I'm not sure if I can do that. I think part of it goes back to the three pillars of real estate. It's the market cycle. At the time of the market cycle, when I started, syndication wasn't a big thing. The Jobs Act had just passed. It, it was a little bit more regulatory. It was a little bit harder. 
And the deals out there, they were great to syndicate. But I just said to Jake, let's start small. We want equity in these deals. We don't want to bring investors on. We should have probably done it sooner, but I wasn't ready. So for me, the part of the market cycle we're in right now, it may be a little bit harder to syndicate only because you have to come up with so much reserves for your financing. Is that going to last forever? Mm, I don't think so. Probably next six to 12 months, Fannie and Freddie will start loosening up. That's why you don't know what you don't know. That's why it's important. I keep stressing that word education. If I had known about syndication when I started out with Jake, maybe I would have gotten on to it sooner. I started listening to podcasts. I started talking to other syndicators. I met Joe Fairless on the journey around 13, 14, and we had started discussing that. But for us, it's just one tool in the toolbox. I think in the next six to 12 months, the big opportunities are going to be owner financing and community banks. That's how we started out. Now, for me, like I said, I had that limiting belief. I probably should have started sooner, but it's okay. I'm here where I am right now, and I'm, I'm pretty happy where I am right now. And it's just, like we said, one tool in the toolbox, and we will continue to syndicate. Perfect. Thank you for sharing that. Once you were ready to raise money, you guys decided to go ahead and, all right, we're going to do a syndication. You mind kind of just walking us through what you started doing? Did you send out an email blast saying, hey, we're raising money now. Come on and join us. Or what was your exact step-by-step process for raising money for that first deal? Well, I think Joe Fairless has got a great blueprint and I think I must have followed it, not even thinking about it. We're all a brand out there. We all have to create our own brands. And we were Jake and Gino. We started the education just because we wanted to write a book. And then from writing the book, Jake says to me, having a great partner that he is, let's start a podcast. I'm like, okay. I think next month we've been doing the show for five years. So we just started the podcast. And from there, people start listening to every day. You start creating that brand. You start creating that likeness from people. They get to know you, like you, and trust you. And in 2017, we had our first live event. First live event, we started signing up investors. People start trusting you. They start looking at you. They're like, you know what? These guys have got credibility. So for us, I think in the beginning, just creating a brand, start putting things on paper, start having the credibility book, start getting clear on why you're syndicating. What is the reason why you're syndicating? Are you doing it because you want to hold these deals long-term? Are you doing it because you want to get in three to five years? You have to figure out what your model is. And I think ultimately start the brand, start a podcast, start writing blogs, start doing videos on YouTube, start getting your name out there and start creating a list of investors. Because unfortunately, most people, what they do is they're like, you know what? I'm going to go look for the deal. And then I'm going to look for the money. And if you do that, you get the deal who will not be able to find the money because you need to create what we call a substantive relationship. And I'd been doing that all along for the first 18 months before we did our first syndication. And for us, another reason why we waited, we had so many irons in the fire, as they like to say. We had the property management company. We were managing our properties day to day. We had the education company. We didn't have time to get on phone calls and start talking to investors. What we ended up doing is we ended up creating RAM Partners, brought on a fourth partner, and he was taking care of all the investor calls. He was taking care of all the emails. Because we've grown our list over 600 investors and to call and speak to every single one of them is a grind. It's grueling. And when you're running other facets of the business, that's probably one of the other reasons why we've taken a little while to start syndication. Because when you have multiple businesses going on, you need to know where to focus on. And that wasn't our focus. But when you start running out of capital, that syndication model looks really great. So for us, really, Theo, start creating your brand start learning, doing, and then ultimately teaching it to others, you'll have the credibility. You'll be positioning yourself as an expert. People will see you as an expert and then start trying to build up your list and start connecting with all those investors out there. Okay, Gino, um, besides everything else you've given so far, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Wow. Best real estate investing advice ever. For me, I think the two words due diligence are probably the two of the most important words in life. 
when you're doing something, make sure that you've done your due diligence. And all of the mistakes that we've done in our deals, especially my first couple of deals, I didn't know what due diligence was. When you get into a property, you take the deal down, you're looking at a deal, you need to really scrutinize that deal, look at it so many different ways, make sure you go through the entire process of due diligence, whether it's your underwriting, whether it's inspecting the property, whether it's inspecting the sellers, you have to dive through it and you have to make sure and looking at it from a logical, objective point of view, get your emotions out of it. Don't pencil whip the deal as one of our coaches likes to say to make the numbers up, to make them work. Really take a logical, unemotional approach and dive into due diligence. And if you can have a good due diligence process, it's going to save you a lot of time and it's going to save you a lot of mistakes and ultimately it's going to save you a ton of money. Perfect. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yep. Okay. First, a quick word from our sponsor. PropStream is an all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to reach more leads, book more meetings, and close more deals with less work. With PropStream, you can find vacant and off-market properties, locate potential investors, or gain invaluable market insight in seconds. PropStream also features state-of-the-art marketing tools that allow you to send out direct mail postcards and ringless voicemail, which will help you close more deals with less stress. Visit your7dayfreetrial.com to start your free trial and experience all the amazing features PropStream has to offer. That's your, the number seven, dayfreetrial.com. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com. All right, so I think you already answered this, but maybe you'll give me a different book. But what is the best ever book you've recently read? I've read so many books in the last two months being shut in and doing all the work. I think all the listeners out there talking about raising capital, they need to read the book, Pitch Anything by Aaron Claff. We had him on our podcast. He is a really entertaining dude, but his book, Pitch Anything, is amazing. It'll help you actually create a pitch for yourself and really speak to investors differently than you are right now. So go pick up that book, Pitch Anything by Aaron Claff. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? Rebuild it. All right, let's talk about a deal that you lost the most money on, how much did you lose? And then what lesson did you learn? I love that question because that's an easy one for me. 2006, November, buy a strip mall, 19,000 square feet up in Dutchess County, New York. It is about an hour and a half from New York City. It's a dying market. Don't know it. Remember I said due diligence, didn't know what the market was, bought it in the wrong part of the market cycle didn't have an exit strategy and the debt that I've got on it was terrible. So I made every mistake possible. I overpaid for it and then I overfixed the property, I held it for 10 years. And the worst part about losing half a million dollars in the deal was not the half a million dollars because owning it for that long, you get a lot of learning lessons. You learn a ton how to deal with tenants. The problem with owning something for 10 years is the time that just sucks out of your life. Having that ability to not be able to focus on other things, we're always worrying about this property, getting a call from the property manager every other day saying we've got a problem here. I should have cut bait and sold it sooner. One of the best things I ever did was sell the property for a huge loss. Got it off the balance sheet, got it off my mind. And I think about that property every three months now, which is great. So my mind can be used and spent on different things. So for me, 
I'm beating the drum, Theo, but if I had really done my due diligence, if I had really gotten educated, I would not have bought that property because it was the wrong part of the market cycle. It was in the wrong market. No growth, no job growth, no population growth. I had terrible debt and I didn't know why I was buying it. I didn't know what I was ultimately going to do. Was I going to hold it long term? Was I going to refinance it? Was I going to flip it out? I didn't think of any of these things before I got into the deal. And if I had, I would not have paid for that property or I probably would have paid a couple hundred grand less and, and gotten less. As far as pricing, I probably would have paid a ton less for it. What is the best ever way you like to give back? For us, you referenced the book Family Food and the Friars. When I was up in New York, I was a pretty big benefactor to the Friars, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, and I would go down to their friary, and they have soup kitchens. They would deal with the poor in Harlem, whether it was in Harlem, whether it was in Patterson, New Jersey. Just go down there and just spend time with them and cook, whether it was for the neighborhood or for them. I just love to spend time with them because for them, it's really giving to others. And I, I love being around them because them, they're in the service of others less fortunate. And for me, just to share that with my children and just to show my children that there are others out there struggling for me, it's just a great feeling. And then lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? Jakeandgino.com. And if you want to email me, it's Gino at jakeandgino.com. I answer all my emails, Theo. Well, perfect. Thank you for sharing your email address and sharing your best ever advice today. I've got three pages worth of notes. Just the top takeaways and best ever listeners, make sure you re-listen to this episode. A lot of powerful information. But you have a very strong focus on education first before going out there and taking action. You have your formula. Education times action equals results. And you don't just mean educating yourselves on real estate, but also focusing on the personal development side. You talked about how actually becoming a coach helped you figure out how to ask the right questions, which ultimately helped you grow your business better. More tactically speaking, we talked about some of the best ways to build relationships with brokers. We talked about not wasting their time. They want to be your friend. They want to know that you can close on the deal. So opt into their list, do property tours with them, show that you're serious about taking on a deal. And then sell them what you can actually do by creating that credibility book. And you said that you can find a copy of your credibility book at Jake and Gino slash honeybee. And he gave us examples on, on what to put in that actual book. And then always being top of mind, you mentioned getting their phone number and texting them every few weeks just to let them know what you've been doing. Again, not to just mindlessly bother them, but to mm -hmm. have a specific reason why you're reaching out to them. We talked about your top tip for raising money, and that's about creating a brand. So you guys talked about how you wrote a book, started a podcast, people started to know, like, and trust you. You eventually did your first live event, and because of all the previous work you had put in with the book and the podcast, you're able to get investors from that event. And then also making sure you've got a clear understanding of, again, why personally you want to syndicate these deals. And then you also talked about you need money first before I actually find a deal to build that substantive relationship. And then another really good way to raise money is to teach others how to raise money because then you come across and portray yourself as an expert. And then lastly, your best ever advice, which kind of takes us full circle back to the education, which is understanding how to do proper due diligence and that all the mistakes you've made has been because of not knowing what proper due diligence is. And he gives a perfect example of that property you did in November 2006 with the exact specific date of when you, when right. you actually did that property. <laughs> painful, painful. Yeah. November 6th, bro. November 6th, 2006. <laughs> we'll never forget that. It's ingrained in my mind. But that's a good thing though, right? Because mm -hmm. if I hadn't done that, Theo, then I never would have gotten into multifamily and it never would have dove into the education aspect. I would have continued to wing it. Absolutely. And then the last thing you mentioned was about making sure you're able to take the emotions out of the diligence process don't try to, what was the word you used about penciling it in? 
pencil whip. If you pencil, pencil whip, whip a deal, you're just making those numbers up. You're making the deal work. And don't fall in love with the deal. Fall in love with the numbers. Exactly. Be very logical and objective about it. So again, Gina, mm-hmm. really appreciate it. Everyone, definitely re-listen to this episode. Very powerful. Thanks for joining us. Best of listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day, and we will talk to you tomorrow.